Let's see what they find. I wouldn't be surprised if they found thousands and thousands and thousands of votes. So we're going to watch that very closely. And after that, you'll watch Pennsylvania and you'll watch Georgia and you're going to watch Michigan and uh, Wisconsin and you're watching New Hampshire. They found a lot of votes up in New Hampshire just now. You saw that because this was a rigged election. Everybody knows it. And we're going to be uh, we're going to be watching it very closely. But start off by you just take a look. It's on. It's on closed circuit. I guess it's on all over the place because everyone's talking about yesterday front page of the New York Times. They didn't want to write it. But that's because they thought they were going to have a negative uh, decision. It's a lot of bitches up in here tonight, boy. I'm about to get drunk. Too down. What a bar. Hey, everybody. We're back. Y tip. Yep. I'm going to start calling it Y tip. Episode 26, and you're finally on board with that. I am. Okay. I've finally come to terms with the name that Anthony Luciano made up. And did you hear about me and Tony? No. Me and his unborn child are starting a podcast. <laughs> when he turns 15 and I'm going to be 55, wow. we're going to start a podcast. I- Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, I have a lot of questions, but I won't ask any of them on mic. <laughs> That's okay. I'll save it for off For mic. the secret podcast that we <laughs> yeah. don't Just be release. careful, Pat. All right. Just be <laughs> careful. <laughs> Listen, it, it's fine. To- to- Tony would let me do whatever I want. All right. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Emily, give us what what's going on today with we the podcast. We have a lot going on today. I'm we excited. Do, yeah. Uh episode 26. I'm going to try to stop saying week because the weeks are inaccurate. It it's crazy to think we've been doing this for half a year. That's like disgusting. <laughs> Why is it disgusting? It's just funny that we've able we've been able to like stick with it for a half a year. Yeah. That uh, is that not is Not all true. of us have commitment issues. Just two of us do. Okay. (laughs) Look at you. Somebody's 10th wedding anniversary was yesterday. That's right. That's true. Congrats. The big one zero. Thank you. Now, 50% of the people on mic right now are married. Mm -hmm. Who is the guest right now that we have? We have a guest who I like to call the fourth member of this podcast. Okay. I think I referred to him as that on the last episode. Tim McDonough, brother of Patrick. Welcome, Welcome, Tim. Welcome back. And yes, you did refer to me as that in the last episode. Yeah, I did. <laughs> now, the reason Tim is on is because he went on a Instagram tirade <laughs> demanding to be on, which, hey, you know what? You do it, you'll get on the podcast. I mean, it's pretty all, easy. Yeah. All I was doing was shining a light in the darkness. You haven't even reached out to me in over a month. Well, so. that is not our, f- I will say, no. for me and Scott, in our defense, it's not our fault. We've been wanting to talk WandaVision. We've been wanting to talk Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It's just... I'm not doing it. I can't, <laughs> we're not, not going to get to it today. We're not going to so. get no. to it, yeah. So it's fine. You, you so said I, you was were, a, I was impressed with uh, Pat's reaction to the Snyder Cut. That really I loved it. I really... I got a kick out of it. I enjoyed it. I watched it, I think, over two days. I really liked it. It was not bad. The Jared Leto stuff was really bad at the end. Uh, that, was in, that, that entire epilogue sequence did yeah, not deserve... It wasn't good. To, Scott, did you watch it? I never got through it, no. You didn't? <laughs> no, I did like the first 45 minutes. Wow. Well, they like every 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 member of the Justice League, they like redid their intro based contrary to the Joss Whedon cut. So like every, like Aquaman's intro was sick. Like it was really good. 
It's very much more of like a here's here's some like still images from a comic book that are going to be on the screen for uh, maybe three or four seconds too long. Uh, it was a lot, definitely <laughs> but, a lot of that. But they used some cool music. But I liked it. I yeah, yeah and they did use some cool, cool music. I love that stuff. I really like Batman versus Superman. Nobody else on the planet did. No, uh, but certainly not. A lot of a lot of what they did in BVS was kind of a template for what they did in the Snyder Cut. I think you should have your own sort of DC podcast. Nah, it's not enough good DC stuff to do an entire podcast. So you said you were... <laughs> you what said, you, hold on. What did you think about the release, the Zemo cut, after that episode of him dancing? Well, did I you see it. that this, the <laughs> Disney released, um, I think it's like a 10-hour cut of just all of the Zemo scenes looped <laughs> with like a techno track over it? Disney Plus released that on their own. I YouTube. didn't see that. I, I just it. saw the the extended version from what we didn't see in the show. What's like Zemo? a super cut that you just put on in the background and let run all day long. <laughs> all Zemo right. is a villain uh, foil character it's in the too much to get into, Winter Soldier show. Well, I think it's funny that Emily's ecstatic that you're on. She's stoked. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean I didn't I was scrambling. I spent I got home from work at two forty five. I had an appointment right away. Mm-hmm. At three Big o'clock. News for you. Not podcast worthy. It's not okay. very exciting. It's just very boring. I have a real estate podcast that I do. <laughs> I record on Wednesdays. We'll save it for that. Yeah, so we'll, we'll save it for that. But uh, what do we, we never name this place for like a stu- like Court Street Studios. What do we ever call this? You have said your address, your phone number, One all f- these things. On- <laughs> this is just Pat's apartment. No, it's a condo, you <laughs> sick fuck. <laughs> Well, I mean, counting down the days to when we move on from this, uh, we will probably have a real studio. Not saying it's an actual studio, but like a separate space. I mean, we are in my living room, kitchen, my cat's bathroom, <laughs> and basically in my bedroom right now. So pretty soon we're no, going to have the bedroom a- is where you sneak off to when you get the extra jars of mayo out. That's, That's true. Separate <laughs> space entirely. Tim, you want some mayo? Remember I was in the, the family chat? I posted all those mayo. Oh, things. yeah. No, I'm, I'm well aware of the saga of Drake's mayo. No, no it's Dukes. You s- oh, Dukes. Yeah. So anyway. Um, so by the way, we do have to send Tim his mayo because if you do appear on the podcast, you do get a free mayo. <laughs> complimentary. Which is pretty exciting. Sarah hates mayo. So we do have a guest coming later too, mm-hmm. my friend Sarah. She's very anti-mayo, so do not send her a jar of dukes. I mean, it's you have to have it. <laughs> oh, there they go. They know that I'm sending her mayo, <laughs> and the police are coming to stop me. Uh, yeah, and she has to get the mayo. And right, well. the thing is, if you appear on the podcast, um, she paid, she's in the A-plus tier, yeah. $1,500 to be on the show. Well, she got to pick the media, too, so that's yeah, extra. Yeah, that's, that's extra. Yeah. And, uh, so, and in order to... To uh, have the episode published, you have to do. You have to send us a picture of yourself spooning the mayo in your mouth, <laughs> or at least splashing it on your face a little bit. Just Either. no, move on. That's just. <laughs> I mean, I like mayo. Come on. <laughs> so Tim, I I need the mayo facial, which will, should be forthcoming. Yeah, so okay, if I just push it into my beard. And- I mean, that's perfect. Are you kidding All me? Right. Maybe you can Maybe give yourself a right fake fake hair with the mayo. Oh, my big head. Yeah. I think it's funny how you said you were shining a light to get on the podcast. Were you just polishing your own head? Is that how you did it? <laughs> yes, I did. I be- it's like a like uh, it's like a bowling ball. Beacon and uh, <laughs> Snyder cut. All right. So we got to 
stay. I was worried we didn't have enough material tonight. You but always I, worry, and we always have too much. Yeah. Well, he worries there's not going to be enough material, so he says, "Oh, yeah, come on for 15 minutes." <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to get done in 15 minutes? <laughs> That's true. Uh, Emily, why don't you just just say what's going to be going on tonight? All right, so we have Tim here, and I think there's going to be a lot of Elon Musk talk, which I will sit back and just enjoy because I have nothing to contribute. Um, a couple other discussion points, as we are wont to do, and then we will take a break. Tim may be on after the break. He may not be. It's up to him. It's up to him. We will be joined by my friend Sarah, and we're going to be talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the Quentin Tarantino movie that came out two years ago. 2019. Uh, And the album Pacific Ocean Blue by Dennis Wilson, and the album (laughs) Lie, colon, The Love and Terror (laughs) Cult by Charles Manson. Lots to talk about. And... This was picked by our guest, Sarah. It so was. Yep. Pretty cool. Uh, now, Tim, without getting into like specifics, you've seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, right? It's the first Tarantino movie that I've seen in cinemas, and I went back to see it a second time. Jeez. That's, I haven't watched it. I'm since. shocked. Um, now, how about Dennis Wilson? You love Dennis Wilson. Uh, I wouldn't say him specifically, but I'm, I'm a Beach Boys fan. Now, growing up, me and Tim were pretty into the Beach Boys. Mm-hmm. We did see Brian Wilson live doing um, Smile. Smile. Okay. At, at the uh, Blue Hills Pavilion, whatever it was in South Boston, where me and Scott saw Chance the Rapper. And I thought that Brian Wilson show was top three concert I've ever seen in my entire life. Was it sad, also, though? No. No, not sad. It was okay. very joyous. Okay. A couple of years ago, I saw him, uh, Brian Wilson, perform at the Boston Symphony Orchestra. And do, I think Al Jardine was there. And I think it might be Al Jardine's son, who is one of the band members now. But, hmm. you know, like the the true Beach Boys and not the Mike Love spinoff, yep. whatever he does now on tour with John Stamos. <laughs> yeah. uh, Uncle Jesse. Yeah. <laughs> the thing about the Mike Love Beach good. Boys. That was a good show. The thing about like, Brian Wilson on that show, Emily, you asked, was it sad? It was like, yeah, it's like, I don't think I could ever go see this guy perform live again because this is this is almost pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, when we saw the uh, Smile tour, it was pretty exciting, and he kind of played the piano at like a weird angle mm-hmm. to like he didn't. If you've been to Blue Hills, like it's kind of like an amphitheater, so he was at like a diagonal to like facing only sort of a quarter of the crowd. So if like, you're at the stage, he was facing like the lower left. And it was really good. I thought it was awesome. And that, like he got, you know, when Smile came out, like the re-release, like yeah. Heroes and Villains, all that stuff, it was awesome. I love that, it. Smiley Smile that. and Wild Honey are probably my two favorite Beach Boys albums, I would say. Mm-hmm. Wild Honey is one of my favorites. Yeah. It's one of the greats. Scott? I saw the Beach Boys l- with my parents. Did you really? At uh, Great Woods. On the lawn. I think that was my first real concert. Do you know if Brian Wilson was with them at the time? I don't know. How old were you? You were sleeping. 11, 12. Okay. I think. Mm-hmm. That's all I got. Right. <laughs> Scott's got a bad sunburn today. <laughs> and this is bad sunburn territory for you because you're going to be perpetually getting bad sunburns every weekend. I'm not burned. I'm fine. You are burned. I'm red. <laughs> I, I 
when you look at a man, you should be able to tell where their face ends and their shirt begins. I can't do that right now. <laughs> it's just a pink shirt. Okay, it's just a pink face. I don't know what I'm going to do. It's fine. We're good. Um, so that's what's coming up later. Yeah, it's very exciting. Uh, yep. I watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I took copious notes. Okay, uh, we'll get to them. I've been kind of putting the barrel over my notes lately, but what they've been mean? because for our other podcast, oh, I take right. notes on the episode, and I've been ta- I've been trying my best to take extremely detailed notes, mm-hmm. but they drag down the discussion, and that's no one's fault. We just didn't know that that was a thing that would happen. That's Pat's fault. Well, I, you know what? When you take notes for something, you really start to understand it. I wish someone told me that in like ninth grade because I would have taken notes in school. I'm sure plenty of people told you that, but you know, yeah, well, the teenage brain doesn't, it hears what it wants to hear. It wasn't, on, true. wasn't on the Ritalin day. <laughs> All right. <laughs> take it easy. Um, da, da, da. Yeah. I mean, once upon a time in Hollywood, it was fun to like rewatch it. We'll get to it. Okay, we got okay. other stuff to get to now. All right, let's see where we're at. All right, so the big news this week, I like to write down talking points for the week. Um, me and Scott have a running dialogue that, Emily, you're included in most, most days. You're not hip to respond sometimes. <laughs> but um, the first thing this week was the St. Vincent interview. I forgot to read this, so you guys take the, the reins here. Well... I don't even know what publication it was, but Annie Clark, better known as St. Vincent, has a new record coming out called Daddy's Home. Mm-hmm. And, Terrible name. But do you know why it's called that? No. Well, Because I didn't read the interview. <laughs> you're about to find out. So this woman um, wrote on Twitter. She said, hey, I interviewed St. Vincent. The inter- I don't know what publication it was. but I don't, it was- I don't know what it was for, but she's freelance for Pitchfork and a bunch of other stuff. So the interview... Uh, she posted it saying, hey, I don't know what went wrong, but I talked to Annie Clark, and after the interview, like, I think 12 hours went by to the next day, and her people called her and said, hey, we don't want this interview getting out. So she posted it, which Just was on her blog. On her blog. And I read it. And Scott read it, and there was nothing wrong. You, if, you guys are quick when something comes up. Well, because yeah, you see it was it. taken down about three hours, maybe two hours was, later. Yeah, yeah, very soon it was gone. I mean, it's saved in the wayback, the wayback machine, which saves stuff. Mm-hmm. So you guys are praying at the altar of Saint Vincent. We certainly are. Or the altar of Twitter, one of the two. <laughs> it's everything. So I read the interview, and if anything, basically, the crux of the discussion is that. The album's called Daddy's Home. Her father served time in prison for white-collar crimes. Mm. So she named the record Daddy's Home as sort of a nod to that. He just got out just last got year out. or something. Yeah. But also, the record is like trashy 70s vibe. So that like expression, Daddy's Home, might work in that context. And if you heard the music, it's kind of weird and it's it's... It's typical St. Vincent. Yeah, I I dig the first two singles. Scott is St. Vincent Stan. Did you he know is. that? I did know that, yes. So you read the interview, and like, if anything, it felt like somebody, it felt like the interviewer, if, like when you, t- when you interview somebody, right, you feel like you might know them, but they don't know you. So she had like an uncomfortable familiarity with her subject that she tried to like, parlay into questions she was focusing a lot on the dad angle and taking it in a direction and saint vincent kind of kept being like well 
no, that's really not what I was going for. And then she would kind of double back on it two questions later. And then I think it was pissing Annie off a little bit. But it didn't. There wasn't anything super you really, negative. There wasn't anything overly revealing. Yeah, you can't tell that like she was pissed off, but it did, especially in text. Now, any good interviewer would record the conversation. So if that ever gets out, that'd be interesting to hear. But it was short. Like the, it was a she. It felt like she was being short. Kurt. Kurt. Yeah. But. Now, she posted this, and then a few hours later, the interview vanished. Mm-hmm. Posting it's a pretty sketchy thing to do from a freelance journalist standpoint, though. So, why do you say that, though? You own the interview, right? I don't know. You're a journalism major. This is true. But Can like, you offer any but insight? But he was a journalism major but we don't know 10 what, plus years like, ago. We don't know. Oh, no. What, it's a different how, world now. How dare you? <laughs> we don't know what publication this was for. This, this woman's a freelancer. She writes for a lot of different places. And she was happy to have done the interview. And then she posted it. And then she obviously got a lot of pushback, probably from lawyers. She locked her Twitter account for a little bit. I don't know if it still is. Um, St. Vincent's fans, I believe, are pretty militant. Yeah. And I guess Annie herself has, like, her last go around for interviews, she would, like, make reporters crawl into like a tiny pink cube to interview i saw her. that and i was like i, I read that and i'm like i, I don't remember hearing so i that. think this is probably a little bit of journalistic revenge on the interviewer's part well but, on the other hand is the whole thing a publicity stunt possibly I, I don't think so but it's definitely in the realm yeah there is nothing in that interview that to me said a publicist needs to contact the interviewer and say it needs to be taken down it was very tame. It, it wouldn't have gotten much traction. No, it wasn't even a good interview. No, it was. She was asking questions like, all right, so, you know, how do you kind of relate your dad being home as to the rock and roll of the 70s? And Annie Clark's like, there's, there's no, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess I was thinking about that. It was really odd. So, so you're wondering if the pub- publicity stunt was taking it down and creating this whole, like, storm around. A little buzz. Yeah. Like, not for nothing. The interview wasn't even worthy to be published. Yeah, it was just there was borderline. There wasn't much there to it. Tim, what do you think? Is it a publicity stunt? I don't have any idea. I, I, I literally wasn't paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> That's the perfect response because you're the the everyman in this situation. Guess we should move on. Yeah, we should move try on. Try to wrap my head around the Elon Musk thing. Are we going to do this album? That's my final question about St. Vincent. I think we have to. I was, I was thinking about this this week is that we have to try to stay true to the initial aim of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Which was what? Music we've never heard before. Or that we might have missed. So it doesn't have to be new stuff. It can yeah. be music that Well, that's that like Dennis Wilson falls in that category. Right. Charles Manson does. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> uh, I think the public missed Charles Manson. If we had liked Charles Manson, there might be a, an extra actress around right now. We I don't know. know. It implies there was some value in having, having There's barely it. any value in Charles Manson. <laughs> uh, there's no value. We'll get to it. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. The St. Vincent thing was weird. And guess what? It's over. The yeah. cycle was less oh, than 12 hours. It was very quick. Like, it just went away. But it was very exciting when it went on. But we're here to talk about it five days later. Yeah, so. that's, that's what we're doing. And this might be posted on Tuesday. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Another round. Thomas Vinterberg. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, yeah. Oscar recap. I know. I forgot about Oscar recap because yeah. it was on had, the agenda. <laughs> I had one big prediction that actually you did. won. And one majorly failed prediction that we'll talk about later, I guess. Tim, but. did you watch the Oscars? <laughs> okay. Same. You're a regular Oscar the Grouch over there. <laughs> I mean, you're you're really teeing me up for some home runs. <laughs> hey, li- that's the kind of podcast this is. It's where you don't communicate with the co-hosts. Yeah. And then when it comes down to it, you just kind of spring stuff on them. I almost there were a couple of points where I almost watched another round. And one, Pat, you, you and I listened to a radio show when they were talking about another round, and they hated it weeks ago. And they hated it. So really? I was like, okay, I'm not going to watch it. And then when I listened to your review, like, it was very different. So um, was very different. All I could say it. is that watch the movie I and draw your own conclusions. Yeah. I mean, sure. it's not an Oscar-worthy movie, but it's a good movie. But it won. Right. Well, best I don't know what makes an Oscar-worthy movie. I, don't, I have no idea. I cannot... I'll tell you what, I like this view a lot more. <laughs> like, because being able to look look you right in the eye is so much different. And I Scott, don't like it because I have to keep looking back uh, over my shoulder whenever well, Scott talks. I mean, I thought you didn't like it because Pat's actually looking at you in the <laughs> eye. It won Best Foreign Film. Yeah. Which was, it was a lock for that. Right? Yes. What was my big whiff? Uh, Matt Gates, not Oscars related. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, last night he was trying to, or two nights ago, I said that Matt Gates would be resigned by May 1st. Which is two, today. Two days ago, another bombshell dropped and nothing. Nothing. So uh, I guess Scott owns the podcast now. Or the condo? I thought it was the condo. I'll tell you what. Is that who the, you're signing the offer over <laughs> yes. to? Yes. That's the big reveal. <laughs> Scott owns the condo now. All because Matt Gates wouldn't resign. <laughs> well, you have to make smaller bets. I know. You I really do. This is like, it goes back to like our fantasy baseball league. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's still, he will resign. I know he will. He I, has to. He won't. He, no, he has to. There's no way. All right, there's a new bet. The allegation. The allegation was that they were paying for pardons through Roger Stone. And it's it's very complicated yes. it sounds too complicated for him to bother resigning mm-hmm. he will resign because no, no one really understand like i don't even think you really understand scott it, so. at my condo closing do not show up <laughs> with this audio imagine if you did and like they're like I'll well be here you have to pay for it Wait. scott doesn't even listen to the episode so it's fine he doesn't know what episode that was that you made that original bet it's all good well, neither do I, but <laughs> <laughs> well, I did my usual weekly re-listen to all my podcasts, and I'm like, this is a good podcast. <laughs> the quality's good. The edits are good. It's funny. Nobody needs to hear this. I, I'm ju- I'd just like to say it. <laughs> so, let's go back to another let's, round. Let's mark this for an edit, too. All right. So, oh, there's a big chunk that needs to go out. Um, we're talking about another round because mm-hmm. they're remaking it starring Leonardo DiCaprio. DiCaprio. Who will be fantastic. The mo- there is no need to remake this movie at all. I mean, not everyone will watch a foreign film, sadly. So they're making it for the American audience who won't sit down and, and watch a foreign film. Do you want to see American drinking culture put in a in a positive spin? This can't go as well. As long as it's the- not like Southie, it, it will be fine. It if did. they make it, it in Southie, and it was excellent. Yeah, <laughs> like that's a Tim. That's a good point. It's a good it's, point. It's like, kind of the same movie based off of the descriptions I heard. Where, right? I mean, you, 
uh, obviously significantly different. Who's doing this um, this remake? Is Thomas Vinterberg directing it? I don't know. I don't know either. I doubt it. Where'd you get your intel, Pat? Uh, variety? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, I think he like bought the rights to it. And so there might not be a director attached yet. Okay. I think he bought the rights to it. Leo. I'm 100%. Yeah, Leo. Mickelson to come back and do it with his American. Well, there is a case to be made that Mads Mickelson was slightly miscast in a way. He was just a little too big for the role. Yeah. So. I don't think so. Cause I don't... Yeah, DiCaprio was the perfect <laughs> size. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm, I'm now the everyman. Tim, you're up there with them on the, the higher tier. I don't know Mad, Mads Mickelson. I, I don't know really him. know either, but he I wouldn't just, say he's too big for that role. I think pretty, he did great. He did fantastic. Well. Who else could pull off that dance scene at the end? All right, I Not mean, the he, well, he's a dancer. Exactly. I'd, I'd say if you're from Denmark, he was too big for that role. Okay, that's fair. I don't think Every, someone in the United States would say, "Oh, Matt Mickelson, I'm sick of seeing that guy's face." <laughs> <laughs> you raise a good point. <laughs> I just think that. The, the the themes of the movie are were, weren't even kind of understandable in Swedish, so in in uh, American slash English, I think it's just gonna it it just won't work. The I, movie might be good. Let's make a bet. I think it will work. I will bet you my new condo. <laughs> uh, do, what do you when you say it's gonna work though? What do you mean? I can it's see win an Oscar for best foreign film. <laughs> in Sweden. We have to go to Sweden. And Den- Denmark? Denmark. It's such an interesting concept to take this idea of like if you maintain this level of. Uh, is that really interesting though? I think it is. Scott, is that interesting? It can be. I yeah. like that part of the movie. And with the right people and the right setting and the right scenario. So the movie ends with this happy go lucky ballet scene. Right, which you didn't realize was the big payoff because throughout the entire movie they're like talking about him as a jazz. Well, yeah, his best friend dies, and the dog survives. We don't know. Let's, I told you we can't talk about the dog. Okay. Um, the, yeah, it was a, it was sad. I, I don't know. The ending was confusing, but I still liked it a lot. Like I enjoyed the picture, but like I don't find the themes to be very. They're just not relatable. I mean, Scott, come on. I agree with you for the most part, but it's okay to enjoy it as a movie. I just think when that is the American remake ever good? How about that? Let's think. That's true. Vanilla Sky. That Vanilla was a, Sky. That was a remake. The Spanish movie. All right, so right. Tim, wow. gotta let you go. That's we'll one talk of to you later. Favorites movie. Thanks for being on the podcast, Tim. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just kidding. They say it a couple of times in the movie. Oberlo Vanilla Sky. Sky. That's a good pull. I love Vanilla. I do love Vanilla Sky. You know what? There's a couple parts of Vanilla Sky that reminded me of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and we will get to that. We will get to that. Tim, uh, that is a great point. I think that maybe we should have a thing where we bet. You know what would be a great bet? You know what would be great? You can't be on the podcast. So if you lose a bet, you're off, and then Tim takes your place. No, we need. Oh, yeah, that is true. I'll never take a bet. <laughs> All right, so wait a minute. Hold on. All right, let's make a real bet. Okay. Matt Gates will be gone by June 1st. <laughs> this is the the hill. I, you want to... <laughs> I'm going to die. And then, Tim, you have to be the host of the podcast. I mean, 
I'll be. I I'll produce agree, it. I have to agree to be a part of the reward <laughs> structure of. <this>. Yes, <laughs> that's a really good bet, though. That's a terrible bet. Okay, um, so here's the other bet: another round, the English remake, the American remake, mm-hmm. U.S. remake, will be good. Is that the bet? <laughs> I think it's going to be good. I don't know what I'm willing to bet. I will bet that it never happens. That's my bet. Okay. I will bet that it's going to be a big yuck, and I will sacrifice my seat as fourth mic on the podcast. <laughs> okay. We'll have to get Brianne on. Uh, Scott, what do you think will happen to the another round English-American remake? Probably doesn't happen. I will say that, too. I usually trust these guys with the media stuff because... It's also very unlike Leo to, like... That's not his style of project, just because he bought it, he might have. A, he probably has a production company. Yeah, I mean, it, he might option it, and he doesn't even star in it. I mean, you have to, you gotta. It's a good purchase, I suppose. Mm-hmm. He, he might, he might get a script rewrite and maybe some interest from some producers, but then either he doesn't star in it or it never happens. Maybe they'll make a show out of it, and it'll be on uh, Apple TV. That's a possibility. All right. We got to move on quick because I only had Tim penciled in for 12 minutes and we're already <laughs> at the half hour mark. Um, Elon Musk hosting Saturday Night Live. Now, <laughs> I'm looking at Scott. What did you find? Just some cat hair. Oh, in your mouth? Yeah. Okay. Um, You're down to one cat. <laughs> so, Elon Musk is hosting SNL. I think it's on May 11th. Does that make sense? No, it doesn't, because that's not a Saturday. May 8th. May 8th. All right, so that's a week from now. So they're writing now. Um, I'm just going to go around the room and say, Emily, what do you think of Elon Musk? I, 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 he doesn't seem like a good guy. I don't know. He's an anti-vaxxer. Right. Right. Anti-masker. Mm-hmm. Scott, Elon Musk, weigh in. Weigh out. <laughs> okay, I like that. Quick. I, I don't know how you knew I was going to say that. Uh, I hate him. I think he's a scumbag. Um, he's too rich. He's too I'll full just, of himself. People I'll just, like him too much. And he has fucking stupid ideas. And I'll they're just all say, tunnel related he for some reason. Pat, this is your go-to line, but he doesn't have a great face. No, he's got a terrible face. <laughs> so, like, I was sad th- to see him in the Iron Man movies when I did mine. I'd argue that his voice is worse than his face. <laughs> Tim, he's got a terrible way of talking. I actually watched a few interviews today. I thought the way he spoke was the reason people like him. I found it to be a little bit compelling, and I had never heard him speak before in my entire life. And I was like, I can kind of see why people would be drawn to it. He's got a deep voice, South African accent. If he was singing the song "Crash Into Me" by Dave Matthews, I would totally get it. Because Dave Matthews is from South Africa, and he's got a South African accent. I love when you explain a joke just all, <laughs> all the way through, just to the period. Thank you. So I, I'd like to read the opening to the New York Post article I found. Fucking, I, told me I can't. I can't. this 45 minutes ago. I did. I was like, Tim, do research now, quick. All right, here, this is literally how the article starts. Knock, knock, who's there? Elon Musk. And the typically chucklesome cast of Saturday Night Live chucklesome. is not laughing. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? SNL had on Donald Trump in 2015 or 20... Well, they, always, the they have on all the Yeah, but like, don't candidates. act like you're above it when you've 
been at that level for years. I mean, did they had Trump didn't host though. Did yes, he? he did. Did he Jesus. multiple times? Like as part of promoting The Apprentice or something like that. No, it was it was before it was well after he was on was The it, Apprentice. Was it lead up to the election? Yes, the absolutely. Election? He did a hotline bling parody. Parody. It was very bad. I mean, he w- Trump was on uh, Jimmy Fallon. That's another NBC show when mm-hmm. they rubbed his hair. Like they did. When it comes to money, you know, it doesn't matter. Bottom line for this purpose, is Elon Musk going to be funny at all? No. Th- but well, he might be the butt of a few jokes that are funny. That's yeah, true. Yeah, but like that's not why he's not going to let them write him. But Scott, that's not why he's on. Tim, funny why, or not. Tim, why is the chucklesome cast so pissed? <laughs> I guess because there are a bunch of snowflakes, Scott. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... So everything that I've read about this amounts to about three or four tweets from cast members who, you know, they deflect some derision at Musk, but they don't like, they don't like fall on their sword to say, oh my God, how could they allow him on? Well, like, like um, well, Tim, they can't, like, they pick the guest or the host, they can't like force them out. Like, it's a job when you... I don't. I, just don't, I don't think that the the outrage that people think the cast members of SNL have. I agree with you. False and manufactured. One hundred percent. It's a job to them. Elon Musk is not that bad. Where you would stage like like where was this for Donald Trump? I mean, we forget about it. If people well, thought I mean, he was Donald a, Trump revolutionized the automotive industry in order to support, um, you know, uh, apartheid the, in South the Africa. <laughs> and and uh, oh wait, no, that was Elon Musk who. <laughs> pioneered the electric car but like elon musk never he didn't actually start tesla he bought tesla and then part of his agreement to purchase it was that he would be considered a co-founder so i mean i have no problem with what tesla is it's just his stupid tweets i mean you can't drive a tesla car without me thinking hey you support elon musk i mean he's anti-mask anti-vax like it's terrible so scott let me get your final thoughts before I go into my big game that I made up. I'm afraid for this game. It's a good game. Okay. I just don't care about SNL that much. Okay. All good, right. Good luck, guys. All right. So this game, it's called The Musk Game. So on Twitter today, uh, Elon Musk basically said, hey, I need suggestions for my little skits when I'm going to be on SNL. Why does he need – there's a writer's room that know. will handle that. I do not – because he likes the engagement. So uh, he posted about a few different bits that people suggested. So the game is, is it the bit that he said was cool or is it, the, is it a bit that I made up? Okay. So you guys all have to guess. Now, when I've done these games in the past, they've gone horribly. Well, the, that's I've had my best inten- intentions. The directions have been terribly yeah. unclear. So – I'm going to say the bit. I'm going to say two bits. You tell me which one is a Musk. You tell me, just say which one I made up. Which one is a Musk and which one is a McDonough? Just say which one's a McDonough. And so, Tim, you're included in that. All right. You ready? (sighs) Okay. uh, Irony Man, which is a guy that defeats criminals with irony, or COVID-1984, which is a screed against people who think COVID is a government thing. And he would try to do that to deflect the negative press that he's had about anti-COVID. So, Tim, which one did I make up? Uh, the COVID-1984. Emily? I'm going to agree with Tim. COVID-1984. I say irony, man. I made up COVID-1984. Thank you very much. I, 
I only know that because you probably didn't know that he appeared in Iron Man, but a lot of people out there know. did. So you wouldn't have said Iron Man. All right. Um, and woke. I'm going to go with you spent more time explaining it as if you had put more <laughs> That's fine. I mean, okay. Uh, I gave him the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> I won't do that again. All right. So woke James Bond with the tagline, I am shaken, but not stirred. Or woke Donald Trump, Trump runs as liberal, and then Alec Baldwin is back. Tim? I, I don't even understand the second one. Um, it's just like they have Alec Baldwin back as Donald Trump, oh, and then he's he's woke, and now he's running as a liberal against the I'll liberal. Go the, I'll go with the first one. Okay, I'm going to agree. Was it woke? Uh, woke James Bond. Woke James I am Bond. shaken, but I'm not stirred. That sounds like a McDonough tagline. Wait, so which one do you think I made up? James Bond. Okay, Same. I'm going to be opposite them again. So you thought I made up the Donald Trump one? Yeah, Scott is right. Okay. I made up woke Donald Trump. <laughs> I'm a genius. All right, so Tim, ready for this one? Uh, Baby Shark Tank, which is the song Baby Shark meets the sh- meets the show Shark Tank, or Baby Geniuses Two, <laughs> which is about Elon Musk, Bill Gates, and Jeff Bezos as babies. <laughs> now, Tim, we're gonna talk. I like in, both of these. We're gonna talk about, which is funny because Tim. How do I feel about the movie Baby Geniuses? Well, apparently you forgot there's a sequel. I have no idea. I'm just... <laughs> um, I think you love it, if I recall. But why... Tim, why do I love it? I, Pat, you're asking me to recall a joke you made probably 20 years ago. <laughs> because remember Smart Babies, my movie that I came up with? <laughs> right. You had written Smart Babies... Before well before <laughs> baby geniuses and then so disney like, stole my idea so anyway was, what's the fake one emily fake movie <laughs> the, what's the one i made up i'm guessing baby geniuses based on how like upset you are <laughs> Scott, I'm, yeah i'm with emily <laughs> so you think i made up baby, baby geniuses too about elon musk bill gates and jeff bezos and babies you think that's yes. the one i made up tim what do Wait, you think hold on hold on i think you made it up three years ago, and now they've stolen it. <laughs> well, I, I don't think I would make up a thing about baby Elon Musk or baby Bill Gates or baby Jeff Bezos. So, so we're all wrong? I did make it up. Yeah, well, <laughs> Tim made a great but point. But how that there's, stupid there's is baby Shark Tank? I mean, come on. <laughs> baby Shark Tank sounds like a dumb thing someone would create on Twitter. And Baby Geniuses 2 sounds like something someone who doesn't know there already is a Baby Geniuses 2 would say. But yeah, I'll tell you what. That sounds like something that would a- might actually happen about like baby Elon Musk. Sure. sure. <laughs> when, when we were kids. Baby Geniuses 3 though. When we, were, when we were kids, I made up this thing called Smart Babies and then they came up with Baby Geniuses. So I always and told Tim. you've never let it go, I no, guess. No, I haven't. And also, we, uh, I came up with the idea for the movie The Kite Runner and the book. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, can you chime in? No, this is just more of your childhood trolling. <laughs> but, but all right, life. so for like, can't these things die? But like for the <laughs> effort, for, how how never often wrote a movie in your life? <laughs> but Tim, how often did I bring this up when we were like very young, like eighth grade? Every time you saw. It. Every time you saw a kite, you would tell us this story. That's I, I, true. I came up with Baby Geniuses and the Kite Runner. So, what do you think? Sorry. Is this bit done? Yeah, I think it is. What do you think of the game? 
It's a good game. It was good, good this time. It's not bad. Well, well it wasn't bad because you guys actually fell for a few of them. So, Tim, thanks for being on the pod. Sorry to put you through the ringer of all my childhood neuroses slash genius ideas. Right on. Um, you'll be named a co-defendant against Disney for stealing baby geniuses from my idea called Smart Babies, which <laughs> I did come up with way before, and then Baby Genius came out. It's way catchier. You but, should come up with a, a movie idea that is actually a successful <laughs> well, I, I think don't think either Kite Runner or Baby Geniuses were exactly Well, I think that works in my favor because it's obvious. Why would I lie about it? I mean, I came up with the Kite Runner. I came up with Baby Geniuses. Like, it's a fact. A question I've never asked myself through the entire life I've known you is why would he lie about that? <laughs> Tim, all right, well, well, we're going to end it after this. But do you remember a couple, well, it was like 10 years ago when I was at the bank and I called you and I was like, tell these people I came up with these ideas. Yeah, I do. It was, it was awkward. They sounded, they sounded so annoyed <laughs> that you were putting them through this. Well, it happened. So, Tim, thanks for being on. Let me get right. a little music to go thanks out. Thanks for having me. It's been a Thank pleasure. You guys. You've You'll been be back, Tim. As hilarious as always, Tim McDonough. Do you want to plug something? Yeah, I know you. Uh, <laughs> no, not right now. <laughs> All right. I might be, uh, I might be plugging a uh, Twitch uh, Dungeons & Dragons stream, uh, stream soon, but not for a few weeks. Cool. Best, best of luck. I'll come back on around that. All right. Thanks, Scott. I'm going to need it. We'll talk to you. Bye. <laughs> Bye. We're going to take a break. We'll be back. Lately, the word is I live in a suburb and I don't fuck with birds. She used to pump on the block, sell a nigga rocks, bell a nigga out, but she tried to plot on a nigga, fake a lot, one shot, bitch, die, go figure. Gonna make a podcast in the month of May. Happy May Day. May 1st. Hey, so like, we're coming back from break. This hmm. isn't a new podcast. Nope. Um, all right, so live from LA. Yep. Lipstick City. Uh, Sarah, where are you exactly located? In Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> that we, seems really vague. You're the only one that gives out an address. <laughs> What's yeah, your address? You. <laughs> I need to know. Okay. I'm in Highland Park, which is like the east side. Okay. I was wrong. Yeah. I thought it was a different park. A That's par- Oh, yep. Highland Park. Okay. Well, yeah. so Sarah, she sent each one of us one third of a Bitcoin to mm-hmm. be on the podcast. She did. And that equals 99.9 repeating <laughs> of a Bitcoin. So I, I think that's great. We're going to be rich now because we have our first paid guest. Yep. Um, now, it's funny that Sarah is in L.A. because coincidentally, she wanted to talk about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Now, was that because you are in L.A.? Is that why you wanted to talk about it? Uh, you know, I do have quite a obsession with uh, Hollywood in general. Uh, the whole L.A. scene is very fascinating to mm-hmm. me. Um, yeah, I'm totally like starstruck in love wow I love, yeah i really do i love like weird famous people i'm very into like the kardashian kind of thing okay it's just, like fascinating yeah. yeah 
That's like but our main. Not audience. only that, but you are also very into true crime. Very into true crime. So yeah. the movie that we're discussing tonight is sort of an intersect of both. Sure is. So you must be really into like Hotel Cecil. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh yeah don't even get me started okay. i went down a rap pool of that about like when did that when did the netflix special come out it was, it was about like, like three months ago oh my god i was obsessed i like would do drive-bys yeah i walked by i want to go in but it's actually like you can't go inside yeah that's right down my alley yeah i, I knew about that case before the documentary oh then, yeah wow. <laughs> yeah i'm a i'm what you call a murder hipster where <laughs> when the murders happen i get i'm in on the ground floor and uh the guy nightcrawler people are always like do you want to help me out with our murder i'm like not that hip i'm just <laughs> i'll wait for it to happen and then i'll be into it but that one was really weird because of that elevator footage of her yes. seeming really scared was really quite uh jarring i didn't care for it she wasn't even like i mean she just she honestly looks very uh possessed like, yeah she didn't even look and, and she did have mental illness yeah. but you know what over my head. It, uh, it was it was weird. It's bizarre. Yeah. yeah. It's but I'm that's totally I mean not that I like love people's misfortunes that yeah. in there. No, but this is a, a major trend right now where people love hearing about true crime stuff. Mm-hmm. So Sarah, you recently well not recently, you moved to LA about a year ago. Yeah. You left Massachusetts in your car with your two cats. Oh my god. Drove across country. Where'd you yeah. live before? Uh, technically, I was living in Taunton. Okay, but, um, Taunton, Mass. Yep. I'm from Bridgewater, Mass. Yeah. Is she from West or regular Bridgewater? Regular Bridgewater. Really? Yeah. So wait, did, what? Did you grow up in Bridgewater? Oh yeah. No. Well, you grew up in Brockton and then moved to Bridgewater. Emily, yeah. let her yeah. tell her own goddamn life story. I know, but Pat is grew up in Bridgewater, so he's yeah, going to so be like, confused I'm as to why he never to, met her. But yeah, she but now, moved so to Bridgewater he's, later. He's going to dive into this. Don't I'm you just, worry. I'm just confused. We've never crossed paths. Are we the same age, or am I, am I grotesquely She's older? Yeah, right. we're, we're grotesquely older. Than okay, her. we're extremely old. <laughs> That's not true. You're three, two years older than me. Yeah, and Pat's a year older than me. Would an old guy have two? gold chains around his neck i don't think so would an old guy wear his hat like this he might for a little bit yeah but then he'll change it so my point was did you grow up on south okay south Mm -hmm. street so i grew up on uh you know vernon street yes so like i grew up you know more drive it's like no. a little bit more towards Middleborough. It, it cuts across, but like we can't get into. Yeah. We might have to edit this out. No. So what I was going to say was Sarah drove cross country, and along so she the, left South Street along the way. She listened to true crime podcasts the entire drive. Okay. And so I got a call from her one night at like eleven p.m. from Ar- Arkansas. I want to say nope. this was Nashville, Tennessee. Nashville, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. very panicked because she was getting gas and was afraid of a, a van that was in the, the parking lot. I her. don't blame her. And she said to me, I think I've been listening to too many murder <laughs> podcasts because I'm afraid I'm going to be murdered and I just need you to stay on the phone with me just to make sure I don't. And I said, maybe you want to listen to something else for the rest of your ride as yeah. you're <laughs> taking a week to drive across country. And you didn't. I'm sure you continued on with the Maybe you want to pop open Spotify and, char- and search Charles Manson, <laughs> <coughs> Trash Man, or Garbage Dump, or wh- whatever. It's so bad. 
But yeah, no, Emily, uh, yeah, she was my little roadster. She was your little angel, your guardian angel. Oh, my God, she really is. Sarah, I'm going to play a song, and then we'll just start talking about the movies. How's that sound? We're back again. We're going to have to piece this episode together, which is very exciting for me as a producer. Is it exciting? You've come a long way. (laughs) I did a... I I don't want to refer to our other podcast, but I made it work. It was 70 minutes. When you do a podcast about a TV show, the rule of thumb is to not make the podcast twice as long as the television show. And we did not do that. Most of the TV show podcasts I listen to don't do that. So. No. So we're in a lot of you're trouble. Fine. Yeah. You're fine. Um, Sarah, what are we talking about right now? We're about to talk about uh, Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. So um, this movie came out, <laughs> like I like we've never heard of it, 2019, mm-hmm. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We've all seen it. We yep. all, I guess, loved it when it came out. But under critical review, does it hold up? And that's what we're going to try to figure out right now. Okay. I think that's the new angle on the podcast. <laughs> we come up with a new angle every episode. Now, Sari, you you uh, asked to talk about this. And so you're in L.A., which is perfect because I'm in Brockton, Mass. with these two jokers. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're pretty far removed from... The glitz and glamour that is displayed in the film. <laughs> but I remember, so I saw this movie in theaters with Scott. Yep. And do you remember anything about that about that day? Not about that day specifically. But how about that week? Might have been a tough one for both, us, both of us. Was uh, this the last movie you both saw before? Together? Pandemic? Mm-hmm. Definitely together. Probably. Okay. Um. What else would we see together? I love seeing a Tarantino movie in the theater. That's our little, you know, we always see every Tarantino movie in the theater. It's not true. But, (laughs) come on, man. (laughs) We saw Inglorious and we saw this. I don't think we saw anything else. We didn't go Django. We We saw Django in the theater. We did, didn't we? Jesus. I think uh, Bill Rudolph was there. Oh, Jesus. Senior. (laughs) Oh no! Okay. Sa- yeah. Okay, we just lost Sarah. She's <laughs> passed away. You realize you're muted, right? No. <laughs> okay. Oh, you're unmuted. All right, that's fine. But right. we didn't see like Kill we didn't Bill see the theater. Hatefully. No, we did not. It was too long. Let's so- talk Tarantino for a minute, Sarah. Are you a Tarantino fan, or does this movie appeal to you for other reasons? Um, I am not a Quentin Tarantino fan. Okay, that's what I thought, but I wasn't actually sure. I love that response, by the way. 
he's just like so freaking problematic. Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah, but this one, I don't know. I just, I love it. I want to say it's like a top, top five movie for me. What are, What are your other top five movies? Oh God, um, <laughs> To Live and Die in L.A. <laughs> L.A. <Huh>? Confidential. <laughs> L.A. Woman by the Doors, <laughs> the album L.A. Woman by the Doors, and did the you end song- up watching Big Lebowski the other day? You had texted me about that. It's okay. No, if you didn't. Did you, okay. you tell Scott how I accidentally? Watched? I didn't because I didn't want to embarrass you, but you can tell them if you want to. <laughs> I <laughs> I accidentally watched Argo instead of Fargo, <laughs> and didn't realize until she was like an hour in. <laughs> I was like, "This is dark. This is real dark." <laughs> Ar- Argo's dark? Argo's not that dark. Fargo's way dark. I was so stressed out the entire really? time. Really? Fargo's darker. Yeah, but Fargo's like dark comedy, like Cohen, yeah, Cohen style. Yeah. There's nothing funny in Argo. But if you, you get your Ben Affleck on, you're okay. <laughs> There's nothing funny in, in Argo, but at least Fargo was Argo, like... Argo, fuck yourself. Never? You didn't laugh at all? <laughs> no, I didn't. I looked at... I went like this. <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying? So I, I think it's first of all, I just want to like do a little like slight reboot. Yeah. We're doing movies. We're talking Sarah. We're yep. doing Tarantino. Yeah. She mixed up Argo and Fargo. <laughs> we're in a we're in a tough spot right we now. We're in a tough spot. So Sarah and I are very good friends. The best of friends. Okay. But Is we, that your best friend? We really differ on media. Like except for books. We're pretty aligned on books, but music, movies and TV we have a lot of differences. And it's fine. I respect that. Yeah. Because, you know what? When I was probably... Me and Scott have kind of aligned over time. But it was never like that. Sure. I was just... I was hoping he would... I wanted him to, like, kind of reflect on our friendship and sort of... I'm trying not to say no on the podcast because he's supposed to say yes and... So, Sarah, Scott has a very bad sunburn. And I think it affected his frontal cortex. (laughs) So he's been very slow today as a, uh, you know, as a co-host. Scott, you should hydrate. <laughs> you do need to hydrate. Oh, he's hydrating. I am. We got a little something, something going on. <laughs> Literally. Um, uh, but I happen to love all Tarantino movies. He's like one of my top guys, even though I know he's problematic and I know it's maybe, maybe he's not the guy you want to support. Can I just do one thing? I just can't thing? help it, though. I love all of his movies. Real quick. Yes. Uh Everyone on the show, we're doing a feet check. So put your feet right up to the webcam. Why? (laughs) You don't have to. This is a Tarantino (laughs) thing. (laughs) Sarah, you know Quentin loves feet, right? Well, there were two two foot shots in this movie that were prominent. There were about 15 foot shots in the movie. Two barefoot shots, though. Uh, There were a bunch. Scott, take your shoes off, buddy. (laughs) Let me see them feet. Yeah, so, I mean, we haven't even talked about the movie at all, but the Margot Robbie, Robbie? Yeah. And uh, the girl in Brad Pitt's car, they both have, like, their feet up, and the camera is, like... Well, Margot Robbie had her feet up in the theater. Yeah. yeah. All the girls, the Manson girls, had their feet up in the house while Brad Pitt was there to try to find his... That's true, but they weren't... The camera wasn't, like, on their foot, like they were in those yeah, other two the, shots. them feet were there. <laughs> But yeah, Quentin always works a few foot shots in, and once yeah. you know, realize it, it, you it gets pretty grotesque. It. Yeah. 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 
yeah, I don't think I, I have to like now go back and watch just for the, the foot footage. Oh, yeah. You'll be very yeah. grossed out. <laughs> the, the I foot promise. Footage. Yeah, I have a foot footage fetish. <laughs> I get the three f- Fs. They have yeah, they have websites for that. Yeah, they do. I'm sure Tarantino knows them all too. Oh, Jesus Christ! I did notice too, in Once Upon a Time, that there's like quite a few shots of like uh, hot girls like sleeping like snoring and sleeping yeah that's new to me i've never heard that before i there was four different times that he was like filming one of the girls like sleeping and snoring yeah that's right that makes sense i didn't catch that but i can very clearly see this the scenes that you're talking about in my mind yeah margot robbie yeah is one of them um the italian wife twice on Mm -hmm. the airplane and then in the house yep one more too that i can't think of but yeah Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, do you want to start out from the beginning of the film? Yeah. And just kind of go through it. Um, it's going to be spoilers. Just warning people. Spoiler alert! Spoiler <laughs> alert! Wait, yeah. Sarah, have you seen the movie? <laughs> uh, I'm yeah. joking. Uh, so, I, one of the notes I wrote down was that me and Scott saw this in the theater, and it was fucking awesome. It was, and you know what? I never really missed movie theaters. Until I rewatched this and then remembered our experience in the theater was so much fun. Yeah, same. Um, all the Quentin movies, they just, I love seeing them in the theater and the PTA movies too, but just there's a certain je ne sais quoi with all of them that but just works in a the big Phantom Thread. The Phantom Thread does not work in the theater. Let's not Maybe. shit ourselves. We didn't see it. I didn't. The Dress Bitch does not work in the theater. I don't know what that is. That's what I call a phantom thread. <laughs> okay. Um, so, right, so I I love the opening I, to this. I, I can't say that Quentin Tarantino films are like epic. They are. Yeah, you know? they are. Definitely. Always I mean, they they're meant for the theater. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Yeah. So the opening, Scott. The opening of this movie is black and white with Brad and Leo being interviewed by just a chuckly Ken Kincaid. Yeah. And I just, I love that that is the opening shot to this movie because it just sets a great tone and it's so, I don't know. I don't have the well, right words for it. Well, they, they, they immediately say th- the humor in the movie is Brad Pitt saying he carries Leo's load. Yeah, right. So like that is the baseline <laughs> the humor. Tone. So he's saying that he carries Leo's load. And then right. they do the thing about he's like laying waste to all the Nazis with his flamethrower, and he's saying fried sauerkraut, which does not make sense. There's no such thing as fried sauerkraut. No, but th- people would call German people sauerkraut. Yeah, so kraut. we're immediately, like, at this level of, it's not childish, but, like, we're, it's a teenage well, interpretation. No, not, it's not teenage. They're bringing you back to the mindset of the 50s okay. and 60s, where, like, that was the humor. Yeah. Because there, there are a lot of, like, racist things in this mm-hmm. movie, but that's... The mindset of the general populace okay. at the time. That's so fair. I think it is sort of like setting that tone. And then they go into Leo singing What's Behind the Green Door, <laughs> which is a real song that was not performed by Leonardo DiCaprio in the 19 whatever. <laughs> so I thought that was very funny. I had to look it up. But that song was well, that song was awesome. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it was a real song. It's a real song. Well, he kills it. Know. Say it again, uh, Sarah. I didn't know that was a real song either. Yeah, I, l- I looked it up because it, he delivered it so terribly in his, like, the way he delivered it was really funny. Yeah. Um, his performance throughout this entire movie was fantastic. Rick Dalton, I think, is one of my favorite movie characters of 
all time. I think it does take a certain actor who can pull off, like, he's acting as an actor who's a struggling actor. Like, the layers of that is very difficult to pull off, and he can do it so well. Well, it's interesting you say that because that is not a position Leo DiCaprio has ever been in. He's only been a superstar. Right. So... That is super interesting, yeah. 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 Like, he's... So, like, the, what you said is that he's an actor who is acting as a struggling actor yeah. who was once kind of famous. Right. Like, that's a lot of layers there. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, in the beginning, Leo goes to Brad Pitt and goes, it's official, but old buddy. I'm finished. And he cries. I, I know. And like, there were so many, like, beautiful moments in yeah. this movie. So, that, so, you very rarely see, like, men crying on camera and it being accepted or another man and comforting a, him a beautiful male friendship this was a yeah. movie about a friendship dude this is the official dudes rock movie of the pop i mean did you think about that when you were watching it this is a dudes rock movie that thought did not enter my brain oh my god yeah. i have it written down 50 times this is a dudes rock movie this is dudes struggling and then other dudes comforting them and then like it, it was just such a, a nice friendship movie so the entire which Dude's I kind of didn't get on the first watch, but like the dude's rock ethos is dudes do stuff, dudes fuck up, dudes comfort the dudes. That is dude's rock. Is it? I think so. It's still a little murky. <laughs> <laughs> I gonna I'm gonna throw something out there, Sarah. I want you to chime in. Is this Leonardo DiCaprio's best performance ever? This is a question I had too. That's so tough. Just because, <laughs> what's eating Gilbert Grape? I don't know. <laughs> I've never seen the movie. I haven't either. I mean, God, I don't want to. I don't want to get into Did it. Did he win but... an Oscar for that? Yes. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Um, I need to fact check it. You know, now that we're talking about the layers of like what that role took, you know what I mean? To no, he did. I rem- he didn't win an Oscar because it was like it was a big thing that he had never won an Oscar until The Revenant. The Revenant. Thank you, Scott. Oh, okay. Sorry, Sarah, to interrupt you. No, I mean, yeah. No, you were on the trail of a good point. Can keep and then going. I interrupted you. Oh, I mean, I I just think what we were talking about as far as like all of the intricacies of like the role he was playing of like being like a washed up actor. It's it's very like meta, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that if you think about it that way, like yeah, it's probably one of Leo's best. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. So I think of it this way. This is pretty bare bones. Is that Quentin Tarantino as a writer? He's writing Leo as a guy that deserves to get respect but is considered a failure. So he's writing from that mindset. Mm. And, and he's a guy that is talented but is still considered a failure. But also Co- has a drinking problem. Yeah. Well, he based the character Rick Dalton off of like multiple people in Hollywood, multiple like including the Brad Pitt. Former like Western actors? Yeah, just like people that – you know, just couldn't put down the booze or people that uh, got hurt performing in Westerns. Like, so, you know, he he's writing this character as someone that, like, everybody can relate to in a way. Yeah. But, like, it's really weird just how well he wrote him. It's really specific. Well, Scott and I were talking on the way over about certain directors who really know how to write for certain actors. Oh, and 
I mean, we're talking about PTA and um, who were we talking about on the way over? I can't remember now. I don't know. God damn it. it was like Record these ago. conversations, <laughs> man. Uh, well, we were talking about Tarantino and Leo yeah. and uh, PTA and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and PTA and fucking DDL. Yeah. I Daniel don't know uh, <laughs> Paul Thomas Anderson, who is fr- he probably lives like a half mile from you. Do you ever see famous people in in L.A.? I saw. Listen, I've seen one famous person. Who? Wa- I wait, saw- can I guess? Yeah. Wait, can we do twenty questions? No. No. All right. Uh, give me a hint. Sorry. Give me a hint. Give me a hint. Uh, um, this person was pregnant. Is it a male or a female? <laughs> oh, right. I forgot about this. I Wait. might have told Scott, though. Who was it? Alana Glazer. I would have... Yeah. I, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm stunned right now. She needed to take refuge in the cafe that I work at. In the coffee wars. She had to seek fucking shelter. Well, Alana like- Glazer had to seek refuge in the coffee wars. Yeah. It's fucking hot here. It was like 100 degrees, and she was like, I need to sit down. We're like... Um, let me get you a chair. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I love, I'm a big Broad City guy. I've seen every episode twice. Yeah. I kind of wield that as a woke card. So I have a thing in my pocket. He needs, that says, he needs them. He needs so all the cards I, he can I wear, get. I've seen Broad City twice every episode. <laughs> uh, yeah. But like a bat. another famous person who has come into your coffee shop that you haven't seen, Elijah Wood. Oh. Elijah Glazer? Well, yeah, he lives in my neighborhood. Really? Yeah. Um, I've never seen him. And so Sarah doesn't care for Lord of the Rings. I don't either. I do. (laughs) But so she was texting another friend and my friend Cassie and Cassie and I love the Lord of the Rings. So we were going off on all the different possibilities of what you could write (laughs) on the cup. Yeah. One cup to rule them all. Like all the different things that you could write instead of his name. Two cups, one dwarf. I'm also a big Wilfred fan. (laughs) (laughs) Wilfred, yes. I enjoy Wilfred. You do? (laughs) You might yeah. be the only other person I know now. Brad Hudson? <laughs> Have you ever seen Baskets? I love Baskets. Oh, Baskets was I, fucking I amazing. You know what I mean? Like weird, like dark little weird comedies. Yeah. I, so I'm glad you're an FX fan. That's I, I, I only have one other FX friend, so maybe you can be number two. <laughs> it's, not, it's not fucking me. <laughs> wow. Okay. But back to Leo. So No. Wait, hold on. Wait, let's. <laughs> yeah, more Baskets talk. Oh. <laughs> Best Leo performances. I don't, this is probably... No, this is by... It's not even I, close, in my opinion. It's not even close. This the is Departed? He's so good in The Departed. But it's not a good movie. This is a it's much a better movie? movie. No. No. Oh, I will God, agree no. that this is a better movie. The Departed is also a good movie. No. Not... No. The movies, they gotta go. It's like... They're just so... The Boston movies? Yeah. The yeah. accents. But this was like... You know, this was still early days of that. True. So it was fine. I mean, the the part is fine, but this is night and day. I mean, this is a way, dude. I, I don't know if you guys will agree with me, but like Quentin was like setting him up for a great role. He gave him everything. Yeah, and he delivered. The writing was insane. I mean, okay, you can be a depressed actor, you can be a an actor with bipolar who is high, low, and then you meet a girl, like a little girl. Like, I mean, it was a crazy. I, I'm kind of curious, like, what made um, Brad Pitt, you know, fit into his role and Leo fit into his role? Like, they almost could have, like, swapped. Like, Absolutely. I feel like they're both, That's a they're great both point. Really talented. Yeah. And I'm just curious, like, 
you know, I know it's not that simple. Like they don't just kind of well, like, I mean, it, Sarah, it is simple. Leo did not have a six pack. <laughs> it's true. Le- Brad looks better with a shirt off. Oh, he looks so. Yeah, you're you're right. So <laughs> I corrected. Can we all agree as people that when Brad scaled the fence to get on the roof and he took his shirt off, it looked like CGI. It, but it was. But it was a stunt man. It was a stunt man, which is an interesting kind of parallel. Yeah. But it's yeah, a stunt yeah. man. It was impressive. It was. I like the Brad character for a lot of reasons. He's so good too. But I also well the the one major issue is Is that he, he killed his wife? He killed his wife. But yeah. you know what? I It's still up so, for debate. It is no, up for debate. It is not up no, for but debate. Scott, think of it Brad this way. Brad makes it very clear when he's beating the shit out of the hippie. But he was very compassionate towards the underage hippie. Mm-hmm. He because um, he wanted to go see yeah, what they were doing to his old. But it's not that cut and dry as to say that he killed his wife, and they never showed him firing the harpoon. They didn't. I agree with you, Pat. <laughs> I feel like she could have fallen over the edge, just like loaded out of her mind. Yeah, you know? she was after drunk he, after he pushed her. I listen. He definitely killed her, and you, you know what? Know. That's fine. The, the whole, evidence, nobody, of, no crime. The evidence nobody, is nobody, <laughs> no crime. <laughs> Do you think that the rest of his character works if he is innocent? Absolutely, he loses. Yes, because he, no, he is, loses like forty percent of his guy. medicine. He was He's in World good, War II, so he has PTSD. No, he was in Vietnam. No, Pat, oh, it was World no. War Two. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Or okay. Korean War, maybe. I don't know, but it was definitely before. Don't ever say no, Pat, to me. Does, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Nobody, uh, no, Pat. <laughs> no, we start playing the uh, fucking. Like a it is a crossover I- episode. Yes. Yeah, but he was in a war because when Leo is in his trailer and. Kurt Russell comes in wanting to fire Brad Pitt because he doesn't like his vibe and he knows that he Whoa. killed his wife. No. Leo's like, he's a goddamn war veteran, for God's sake. So that was in like 19... That was... Yes. So it was either... It was probably Korean War. Well, World yeah. War II so, is maybe too far off. Sarah, there is a lot more layers to this character than we've talked about because what the viewer is supposed to understand is that Leonardo DiCaprio is Rick Dalton is extremely insecure, yet Cliff Booth is very secure. Yeah. So it doesn't matter that Cliff Booth may have killed his his wife. It does matter. But <laughs> we, we don't know. We truly don't know. I mean, it, it's like the ending of The Sopranos. Like, did what happened? Sarah, did you think it was clear that he killed his wife? Um, I think we're supposed to assume that he probably did, but we're actually not given the answer. Okay. But like, dude, he was way. That's how I feel too. How nice was he as a wife killer? Like, I, I think. <laughs> but like, I don't think. Like when you when we watched in the theater, I'm like, yeah, he killed his wife. But like upon rewatch, it's not that. Like, he's a nice guy. If you well, didn't kill your wife, and everyone coming up to you says, "Oh, dude, you killed your wife," and you just don't react, you killed your wife. Kurt Russell. I love did the Kurt, Kurt Russell voiceover. Did Kurt Russell think that he killed his wife? Yes. No. His wife thought he killed his... Everybody thinks he killed no, his wife. No, his wife... Not Leo. Not Rick. But like, no, but... He doesn't but say Emily, no. Emily, Rick listen says, to me. you fucking believe that shit? <laughs> he doesn't say no. <laughs> but Emily, Kurt was on the fence, but his wife was already... Her mind was already made up, and that's right. why he couldn't hire him. Right, I know. Well, it's the, the biggest thing I had with this movie was like, <laughs> did he kill his wife? And I don't think he did. 
You that's, know what's funny? That is like this. I don't even. That's not even a part. Of the me either. Story. Like I kind of forgot about it until yeah. we just yeah. started talking about it now. Um. Well, we should move on to the next topic. I. It's have. a movie about friendship. Yeah. Well, yeah. This is the official Dudes Rock movie of the podcast. I mean, it, it's. I can't believe this is the episode that I'm on. Is the Dude Rocks? Episode. I know, right? <laughs> Welcome to my life. Sarah Correa endorses Dude Rocks. Uh, Korea. Uh, I'm just going to correct. Korea. Correct. Korea. Korea. Korean War. Okay. I mean, it's that's you can say it either way. They're both right. All right. Cool. There's no way that they're both right. <laughs> so. It's Portuguese, right? So, like, actual, like, Portuguese people would say Korea. Okay, but, but you, you're, white you're you, so we go with what you want. <laughs> right. I just, I, you know, I don't correct people. Uh, you don't. All yeah, right, you Sarah. Don't. Sarah, we're ecstatic <laughs> to have you on. Don't listen to Scott. His 10th wedding anniversary was yesterday. He's pissed about it. Thank you. Um. That's a big one. Is that like the silver one or gold? What is that? Platinum? <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. What'd you get paper? your wife? Pick like, a what's metal. The, what's the ten year paper? <laughs> I don't know. There plutonium. Was, he got his wife a big glass of there plutonium. There was a soccer practice and some takeout. That was a great. What did you get from? La, La Wada? Grand Slam. Grand Slam. Jesus Christ. Wait, is that Taunton? West Bridgewater. It's fucking West Bridgewater. Remember <laughs> we used to meet up. No, God, no, we never met up anywhere in West Bridgewater. No, 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 hey, no. Hey, Sarah, when are you coming back to the West Coast? Um, I'm sorry, oh the boy. East Coast. July. All right. Yeah. We should do an in-person okay. at the new podcast studio. Okay. <laughs> Can it be a Taylor Swift episode? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there'll be another are, new album. Sarah, those are the most popular. Those Taylor Swift episodes have like 350 listens, which is insane. Good, I... <laughs> So impressed and, and proud of y'all. They were just, I I enjoyed every minute. I mean, you have to like the content, though. I mean, you can say <laughs> you can say you like it, but then you have to see the monsters that are actually doing it. Do you listen to every episode? I do. You okay. know what it is? I miss I miss Emily so much, and I Aww. love hearing. Like well, do you miss thing. me and Scott, who you've never met? I mean, <laughs> good gravy. But I enjoy you will you. now. You'll miss them now after this. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's like, oh, thank I'm you. That's very sweet. Well, and like you are Pat and Scott. You. This is great. You're funny. This is a good podcast. Thank you. Thank that's you. all. That's all I want to hear that's, is that I'm funny. You just made Pat's. You're now year. welcome back anytime. <laughs> yeah. All right. Back to Once Upon a. Do you want to? So okay, so the big reveal of this movie, right? I don't know if people knew this going into it that it was about Sharon Tate and Charles Manson. I did not. I didn't. No. Wait, really? I mean, it kind of got spoiled for me, but I didn't know like how it was going to all unfold. That's really interesting for me because I I assume everybody kind of knows going into it. I don't no. Know why. Did you, Scott? Yes. Okay. Well, I knew. I, I knew not- like what I didn't. The, the ending threw me for a loop. I did not expect that. Scott, Wait. did you know because you picked up on like Roman Polanski, Sharon Tate, like pretty early? No, he did not. No, Jesus I Christ! Just, no, they, Sarah, I, don't, don't. Pat's really upset. I'm You're really him so much Slow down a little bit. <laughs> I just no, get really pissed. I when just you, done a you would little... think that Scott would know who Roman Polanski is. These guys never go into anything blind. They do like they read reviews, they listen to interviews, they do all the things. Yeah, so I, I knew that aspect of it because of that. However, we I have a friend Brad who watched this mo- whole movie and he didn't know anything about Sharon Tate like yeah. beforehand or 
Charlie, he had no idea what was going on. So after the movie goes, I didn't get the Margot Robbie storyline. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I was just like, uh, so I think that's a really interesting lens to watch this movie through. I don't want yeah. that lens. That lens fucking stinks. It's very cloudy. <laughs> Let me ask you something. If for fe- like, okay, so we're all like 80s children. Mm-hmm. Uh, for sure. People our age where like 1969 like the the manson murders were not super you know prevalent in our knowledge growing up like i know about it because like i'm a freak and i really love like true crime Mm -hmm. but for most folks like does everybody know who charles manson is and like i think so i knew about him because of the beatles and helter skelter like that was my intro to charles manson but i did not really know about sharon tate I knew who Sharon Tate was. I knew who she was an act. I knew she was an actress. I knew she got murdered, but I didn't really know the tie-in yeah. until this movie. And then I like went back and looked at it. I just, just knew it purely on like an academic level. Like I knew Sharon Tate was murdered. Yeah. I knew it involved Charles Manson. I did not know who Jay Sebring was. I did I not know either. Roman Polanski was involved. I don't yeah. think I did either. Yeah, it's the story is like. The whole the Manson murders like it is like it's fa- it's like a spider web of like connections. It's like really fascinating. I think the movie like I, I I know we're not done talking about the movie yet, but like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like the Manson murders were like there's just so many linkages to a lot of like Hollywood people. Um, I think the latest uh, Nine Inch Nails recorded one of their music videos at yeah. Yellow Drive. Which they was, definitely like, did. That's true. Yeah. At what? Where did they? Salo Drive was where uh, it was the house. Yep. Where Roman Polanski and Jay Sebring lived. Oh, that's how you pronounce it. Okay, I didn't know. Okay. Uh, well, no, do not rely on me for that pronunciation. No, I'm relying on Sarah. I'm not relying on you. <laughs> um, do you yeah. can can we get back into the flick a little bit? Yep. So, the very beginning. So, mind you, this is a. This Wait, is a very back, long. We're podcast. back to the beginning. So <laughs> this is going to be a long one. All right, hold on. I just so, go- I don't want. I'm not interested in your notes. What I think is interesting, especially in relation to like how Brad watched the movie. You have without such a shiny anything. face right now. Quentin set the movie up with all these timestamps and everything, especially after they get back from uh, Italy. And I really love how he builds that tension because you know what happens in real life. Yeah, and then you're or watching you may not. it. Well, well, on yeah. a second, if you watch. don't know, it's it doesn't mean anything, right? And I I don't know how that plays, but I think the intention is for the audience to probably know, definitely. Yeah. And he timestamps everything up, and then it goes and goes and goes, and then the acid cigarette takes over. Yeah. Well, yeah, the narration of the the events is like true. That's yeah, everything. This everything. is a question I had for every all three of you. How do you feel about a narrator in a movie? Well, Overall. Kurt Russell. Yeah, we g- all give love me Kurt. Kurt Russell anytime. But, you know I what? love a narrator, personally. But that is, anybody that's in the business will tell you that's like a super weak way to I know, it's like a cop-out, but I still yeah. love it. Well, I think a good narrator, you don't notice the narrator. Yeah. It's like, you're in the story and, you know, it doesn't take you out of it. I think, like, a movie could be bad with a narrator if, like, you know, it's not... If it's not done well. well. And I like wish they, you had watched they The Big Lebowski. In, they introduce yeah. Kurt as the narrator right in the beginning when Leo tells Al Pacino that uh, Brad Pitt's just his driver. That's fucking bullshit. <laughs> and so you just you have a good narrator through line, and then it all culminates in the the final final act. Right. Yeah. Well, it, so so Scott wanted to like cut through everything. I just have to big, bring up one point: 
is that the driving scene at the very beginning is that it can prove that Quentin Tarantino can close down a street and get the rights to cool songs. I did have questions about how he closed down streets. Well, but it works. I mean, it's super impressive. It and is. It was, it was so like, I'm going to say this word, sexy. The yeah. way he was yeah. able to close down streets and play music turned me on. <laughs> okay. I was going to go with a different interpretation of sexy, but, no, but you meant was, the literal. <laughs> it was really cool. I mean. It was. In the yeah. very beginning, the driving scene was just like, it was a flex. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I was talking about that with my roommate. I was like, how do they, how do they do that? How, yeah. Like, naturally, like. You know, take a take a city street and turn it into 1969. Like, right? I had the same question. It's like it's not like a set. It's not like one little street. It's like he's like driving through Hollywood. Yeah, and he did that multiple times in the movie. I mean, I my notes are very extensive. Um, Cancel them all. We're just about done. (laughs) No, let can we can we do another? uh, Sorry, you get like 50 more minutes. Yes. All right, cool. Don't forget, she's on LA time. It's early there. Um, <laughs> so here's a little thing that popped up. They did not win for any sound awards at the grant at the uh, Oscars. Does he ever? Is my question. I have no idea because he is so. Does he? Who does the score for his movies? Do we I, know? I don't know. I should have looked that up. Well, it, it it might not be so. It might be a different person every time. I would guess it's the same person. Scores, scoresman. Yes. <laughs> Just kidding. It's him. Um, but it's so well done. The so, score in this movie is so well done. So when I'm describing the film right now, all the different points I brought up. So like at this point, Brad Pitt is driving back to his single wide trailer with Brandy. Uh, and then can we they talk do about that? Brandy for like a half so hour? Sarah, they, do you have a half hour to talk about Brandy? Is the question. <laughs> can I grab another drink real quick? If you uh, are prepared to edit this out, then yes, yes I you will. can. Uh, um, Sarah, I'm going to pause you real quick, and I'm going to go to the bathroom, okay? Okay, sounds good. All right, bye. Bye. <laughs> okay, we are back from a, a slight break. We are still talking about Once Upon a Time in America. Um, <laughs> can I just tell you a note I had? Of course. So we're talking about Brandy, right? We all love Brandy the dog. The Saved the movie well yeah. save the night so i wrote i wrote this specific note but on but behind every sexy leading man is a cool dog in an absolutely disgusting single wide trailer i mean that fucking <laughs> so that scene with him in the trailer was preceded by the van nuys drive-in scene mm-hmm. which was how did they not win best editing best best sound or anything like that that's uh, that's ridiculous great question do you want to know how they lost it? Yeah. Who who won instead? <laughs> so, 1917. Okay. Well, I never saw it. The the oneer. They love a oneer. It's a one One camera. Oneer oh. is like a, a one shot take. Yeah. Is that a thing everyone's saying? The oneer. Yeah. Wonder. Yeah. I didn't see 1917. Did you, Sarah? I've never even heard of 1917. It's like a war movie. I'm not a movie buff. I'm, I'm, I'm not either. I'm, okay. They I are, was nervous. Though. I did not see it either. Scott, did you see it? I saw it in the theater. It was the last movie I saw before quarantine. Did you get in a fight with your wife before you saw it? No, I just went at like 10.30 on a Tuesday. By himself. His wife. Kind of big fight. (laughs) Um, So I made that kind of quote about, you know, how he fed his dog these weird dog foods. Comes into play at the end, though. 
yeah. So he, one of the flavors was rat food. One of the flavors no. was raccoon food. So it was a kind of a nice parallel to see him eating mac and cheese mm-hmm. without milk. Yeah, that was a dry mac and cheese. It's very dry. dry. Yeah. Well, he doesn't, he just, you know, he lives for his time with Leo. But like, he really, I thought it was kind of cute how he, he just did his job and he lived in this shitty kind of fucking trailer. And he's got his dog. He was happy to go over and he had a, he had a guest room at Leo's. He could stay over after a few beers. He's living the life. Yep. Now, Sarah, I I Mm. kind of, I've, I wrote a list down of like questions to ask the guest when was the last time you had mac and cheese? <laughs> what the fuck? Why are you guys laughing at me? Actually, I fucking love mac and cheese. She does. Um, uh, Emily actually taught me this like way to soup up mac and cheese with spinach. Mm-hmm. You, get, you get Annie's mac and cheese. Pat loves get, a good spinach story. Uh, spinach mixed in. It's so good. Yep. My I mom just... makes really good mac and cheese that she always makes for me when I visit. Really okay. Good. Do you add cream to it or anything like that? I don't, I, I think there's like 10 cheeses in it. I don't know. I, don't I did not expect this conversation of me. My new thing is now to accuse everyone to not eat a mac and cheese. So I'm surprised that she had an answer ready to go. So that's very exciting. It's one of our first bonding moments was over mac and cheese with me and Sarah. Yeah. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Joke's on you. It seems all in. Yeah. This is like, <laughs> I will say I'm really, I was always really grossed out by like, I love Kraft macaroni and cheese, but you got to get the box and you got to cook it on the stove. Sarah. I don't like the what other foods gross you out? Oh, no. This is a fucking softball. I can't wait uh, to hear this. Wait, I feel like you're expecting me to answer something specific. I am, because there's one food that you get very grossed out by. Okra. No. Mayo, ranch. There right, we go. So <laughs> this is a problem, because everybody who's on the podcast gets a complimentary 12-ounce container of Duke's mayo. So, Sarah, where can I send that? <laughs> You should throw it right in the trash. Do you have like a worst enemy in Massachusetts <laughs> that I can just drop it off in their front yard? Probably. Oh, I do. <laughs> can you give Can you give me their name? Can you give me his name? Off mic. I kind of podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um. So back to so Brad's trailer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I wrote I wrote this down. I don't mean to usurp you. Go ahead. You do. Um, you will. So <laughs> at this point, driving, driving, music, driving, cars. We get it. Chuck Manson. Chuck. Yeah, I call him Chuck Manson. <laughs> so at this point, it's a dude's rock movie. All right. So get some new material, will you? <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? So, did, Sarah, did you watch Mindhunter? No. No? You need Scott, to. Scott, get some new material. You got to get on that. Um, the same guy that plays Charles Manson in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is also plays Charles Manson in the second season of Mindhunter. Did you already know that? Did you already know that, Scott? Yeah. Go. Okay. It's fine. I I need to watch that like tonight. Yeah. I really do. The best Netflix series they've ever been. I mean, it's their pinnacle. It's pretty excellent. You will definitely like it a lot. It was not for me. I watched one episode and couldn't couldn't hang with it. But it's for you, I think. Did you ever watch the old FX show called uh, Testies? It wasn't the fighter or the boxer, but it starred Holt McEnany, and he was a big. No, it, this was a really niche one, even for me. It was a show or a movie? It was a show. It was about a fighter, and he had like a brother as a fixer. Um, no, but anyway, the, the fighter from that show is on Mindhunter as one of the detectives, 
and um, Emily. And uh, the king from Hamilton is in Mindhunter too. He's Gosh. he's probably the lead. Yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah, directed by David watch. Fincher. So Sarah, yeah. you have to watch Mindhunter. Yes, yeah. I'm on it tonight probably. Here's honest. my next question for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So it's like a spectrum where you have a movie that has actors portraying real people, right? right? And it either really works or it really doesn't work. So in this movie, we get Bruce Lee. We get Steve McQueen. Mm-hmm. We get, who else is some, uh, Sharon Tate, obviously. Uh, Roman Polanski. Roman, Roman Polanski. Polanski. Emil Hirsch played Roman Polanski. Or he played J.C. Bring. Yep. Mama Cass. Mama Cass. Michelle played- Phillips. Yes. Ooh, I didn't even. Um, they're all in this. I think it really worked. But when it doesn't work, it really bombs. Who didn't it work for you for? No, this movie. Steve McQueen worked. did not work. No, at all. it didn't. Steve McQueen I mean, stunk. Damien Lewis is. Yeah, they maybe could like, pick someone okay, better. Okay, so but. Sarah, Damien Lewis is a very fine actor. Yeah. But he played Steve McQueen. And then Leo played a guy that missed out on the role of Steve McQueen in The Great Escape. And that just, it was cool how they did it, like editing him out of the footage. But it just went, I just think it was unnecessary. Yeah, I am. I have to agree with that. Thank you very Uh, much. I'm (laughs) glad that as the host of the podcast that I finally get someone to agree with me. I do think for the most part, all of those, um, you know, portrayals worked really well. Yeah, like Margot Robbie. Don't interrupt. Sorry. I mean, I I will tell you, there was one uh, portrayal, or I don't even think it was a real person, to be honest, that took me right out of the movie. Lena Dunham. Thank you. Yes, I agree. Oh, I I wrote that down in my notes. Why? Why? Like, Lena Dunham, she's fine. She's, you know, but like, it totally, I agree, took me out. Took me right out. Yeah. Does it every time. I'm always like, okay. Just make it a no-name person. Seriously. Yeah. But he kind of does this with movies. Like, he has one oddball actor choice that you're like, why? Yeah, what's the Lena Dunham connection with Quentin? I don't know. In Glorious Bastards, it was BJ Novak. Like, it was just, like, out of nowhere. Like, That's a really good point. Yeah. It's just somebody who's too visible. You know what I mean? Something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Can I... Sarah... Can I ask a question to everybody on the podcast? <laughs> I hope Sarah says no. <laughs> Sarah, say no. Could could I have... No, I'm asking. Could I have dated Sharon Tate? No. <laughs> Sarah, um, chime in again. Nope. <laughs> okay, because in the movie, Sharon Tate was oh. into short, cute, talented guys who look like 12-year-old boys. And I'm telling you what, that is what I look like. <laughs> You do not know. You don't look like Roman Polanski or J.C. Bring at all. Too many gold chains. That's tough. Too many gold chains. It's a tough look. I thought I had it wrapped up. I'm on my Rick Dalton shit right now. This is why I'm wearing this. You look very Irish. Are you Irish? No, I'm not. (laughs) I'm I'm Chinese. Patrick McDonough. (laughs) This is where it gets borderline, and we have to be concerned about... (laughs) Um... So we should edit that out probably. Yeah. <laughs> we got to wrap this film okay. up and then we got to hit Dennis Wilson real, no, we real have quick. No, time. All right. So my it next all comes note into play. Emily, Sorry. my next note is Brad Pitt scaling the roof mm-hmm. to get on the so when he takes his shirt off, we all love it. 
Scott, are you shirtless when you do yard work? Not usually, but okay. I do very little yard work. <laughs> fair, fair. We're, we're all wondering. I just wanted to know. <laughs> all right. Do you, do you have any actual new notes? You're killing me here. <laughs> well, I wrote that uh, the dude killed his fucking wife. Dude's rock? This isn't a new note. All right. Okay. So it's it's a movie about friendship. It's also a movie about Charles Manson. Well, okay. Charles I'm, Manson I'm gonna, came, I in, have a great note. came into the movie. Talk. Right, mm-hmm. he was in it very briefly. You don't even if you didn't know it was him, you wouldn't know it was him. So he comes to Roman Polanski and Sharon Tate's door, and he's looking for Dennis and Terry. Mm-hmm. Because in real life, Charles Manson was friends with Dennis Wilson, and Terry M- Melcher, I think, was his last name. He was a uh, producer for Columbia Records. Okay. I could be wrong. It could be a different record company. Was but, dating Candace Bergen and living in Cielo Drive. Really? Candace Bergen? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. I, I, I seem to remember that, yeah. Okay. Yep. But in the movie, Sharon said, or um, Jay says, uh, Candy's not here. Oh, Candy. I thought it was Terry and Dennis. Terry, Terry and Candy aren't here. Oh, okay. And Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. So there was this whole thing where Dennis Wilson and Charles Manson, Dennis Wilson of Beach Boys fame, we're friends. And he, Dennis Wilson kind of got swept up into Charles Manson's sure. whole thing. How could right? you not? I, I could think of a hundred ways you could <laughs> not, but um, Charles Manson was a budding musician. And so he became friends with Dennis Wilson, and Dennis Wilson was friends with this Terry Melcher, and so it was kind of like Charles Manson thought he might get a record out of this. Oh, yeah, he did. And then they severed ties... But Charles Manson went on like a rampage after that. And he was very upset that this record never came through. So he comes to this house looking for them, like trying to find them. Dennis Wilson had bailed from that house. He was living at the house where Roman Polanski and Sharon Tate are living in the movie. No, that's not true, actually. And I, it's not? Is it okay? I, no. Yeah, correct so, me. Um, so Dennis Wilson, so Charles Manson and his family. Quote, family. I'm going to do like a quick, it's, I'll take two minutes. Dennis Wilson got involved with Charles Manson because he picked up two girls from the family hitchhiking on the PCH. He picked them up. They came to his house. He had like a log cabin on close to Malibu. And uh, the girls stayed there. He leaves to go record with the Beach Boys, comes back. Charles is there with like the whole family. They just like moved into his house. Like, are we and- talking like 20 girls or like? Yeah, yeah, like okay. guys too, like okay. the whole Manson crew moved into the Dennis Wilson's house. Dennis was like, this is cool, because basically Charles was like, you know, his pimp and his guru. So, yep. you know. And his drug he, dealer. All of it. Um, and then basically they outwore their welcome after a couple months. And Dennis kind of like snuck out the back door and started renting another place. And they got evicted by the landlord. Um but Terry and Dennis were friends. Terry was living at Cielo Drive. And oh, he okay. He didn't know where Dennis was because Dennis kind of like took off. Got it. Yeah. So he comes to the house looking for him or them. Yeah. Okay. And Terry had also moved out at that point. Yeah. And Roman and, and that- Sharon were living there. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Got it. Got it. But at first, Dennis and Charles Manson did kind of hit it off musically and Dennis Wilson thought he was thought Charles Manson was kind of a musical genius in he some was. respects. He was really good. 
Yeah, do you have the Spotify playlist? Absolutely. Ready give to me, go? Give me two seconds. <laughs> we can Big listen to some of... Charlie. <laughs> Chuck, as you like to say. I call him Chuck. Big Chuck Manson. <laughs> um, all right, so when you brought this up as a thing to listen to, I was completely against it. I do not like giving credence to people that are not worthy of it. Like, I think he sucks. Really? I think it's terrible that people kind of bold stance no i think it no i think it's bullshit charles manson sucks (laughs) no i think it's bullshit that people look back on this like it's something like to be regarded as like like at a document i think he stinks i don't like him and uh yeah what about the music so uh we're gonna play uh look at your game girl yeah the time keeps on flying Think you're loving, baby And all you're doing is crying Can you feel? Ah, those feelings real Look at your game, girl Look at your game, girl What a mad delusion It's a really good song It's a really good chorus <laughs> Um, I will play another song real quick. Play um, Cease to Exist. If you would. Absolutely. Pretty girl. Pretty, pretty girl. I'm going to move to LA. Cease to exist. Just... Come and say you love me. Scott hates it, by the way. It's not for me. It's not that good, but Give this was the song that work. Dennis Wilson then contacted Charles Come Manson on, after they kind of severed ties so and said, This, hey, just so you know, we took this song from you and we're going to oh, yeah. re record it for a Beach Boys song called Never Learn Not to Love. And they did. It's nuts that they were like in the same circles. Oh, garbage dump. I can't, I can't listen to garbage dump. Which Moody Blue song? I'm sorry. Okay. Jesus. That was a little bit. I wanted to play that for Scott. <laughs> um, Moody Blues. What um, song are you thinking of? I love you. It's like, I love you. They say it over and over again. It's like, garbage dump. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Nights in White Satin? Yes. Yes. Okay. Do you want to hear yeah. that right now? I mean, we don't have to, but Charles Manson was a big fan of the Moody Blues, and it's definitely a ripoff. No, we have song. to hear it. It's the the chorus that he ripped off in particular. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the Beach Boys, like Emily was saying, they they gave, I think they gave him like uh like a a motorcycle. Oh, that's so right sick. <laughs> yeah. Well, Wikipedia said that. They paid him like a hundred thousand dollars worth in like stolen materials that he'd already taken, so they just kinda like called it even. Jesus Christ, really? Well, not necessarily stolen, but like rent and just hosting his family and all like the exactly. actual cost of having the Manson family live with you was they exorbitant. Kept getting, like, uh STIs and like Dennis Wilson would have to like pay for all the prescriptions. Yeah, it was all the like- gonorrhea meds. Seriously. <laughs> yes. Like had to pay for their like dental, like he their dental. He de- Dennis Wilson was like a super generous person. 
Um, or he was just really bad with money. And that too, yeah. You know, he got roped into the whole thing and then couldn't find a way out. Until I think he, Dennis like, was a genius. He just, he also, just was too... On the cover of this album, he is 33 years old, I believe. Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> he looks 50. <laughs> he looks great. He looks great. He's, he's younger than us. <laughs> he's younger than us. So when Brian Wilson heard this, he was like, yeah, it's funky. It's funky, Dennis. That's what he said to him. He screamed in his face. Interesting. It's so good. Oh, you got um, kind of cut out there. Sorry. No, I think it was her audio. Oh, I'm sorry. My internet kind of sucks. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, yep, don't worry about it. You sound great. sound like a million bucks. <laughs> my, um, so I'm, I got really into the Beach Boys like when I was a kid because my dad is a sure. really music person and he got Her me dad's a musician. Boys. Yeah, really? and he, uh, yeah, he, <laughs> he, um, I asked him about Dennis Wilson, he was like, the album, and he was like, it was terrible. He was like, but I wish, but I wish I kept the record, because it would have been worth a lot of money. Jesus and Christ, I, was, I hate your dad. <laughs> I was like, dad, I was like, you should listen to it again. He, and it's, you know what his critique was? He was like, it doesn't sound like the Beach Boys. And I'm like, yeah. I, I don't think it needs to sound like the Beach Boys. Yeah, but, but he did, it like, he it listen, does sound so. like the Beach Boys. Yeah. Huh? Parts of it sound like the Beach Boys. Parts of it sound like the Eagles. Parts of it sound like, but Warren Zevon. Parts of it sound like Randy Newman. He's okay. doing a lot of stuff. We need to. You're a genius, Emily. Thank you, you are such. You're so fucking smart. Thank you. Wow, I never get that on this podcast. I mean, you're okay. <laughs> no, but like you make a great point about how, like he's obviously doing that on purpose. Like yeah. it doesn't matter. Like. Whatever, if like the the connotations are there, like he's attempting to do something that sounds like that. So good on you. Thank you. Wow, I never get this kind of praise, Sarah. You're bringing a good like vibe to this. That's so. because like you need to get more praise. Honestly, I mean, Emily needs more airtime. I know. We, we've oh. heard this from multiple sources. <laughs> yeah. All right, we get it, dude. We, you know, it's a different <laughs> podcast, but. I'm blushing. I don't. I'm not usually on video either. Like this is this is a lot. Scott and I match complexions now. I have to sell the podcast <laughs> to Emily. Yeah, but I just I think it's the whole like the film Dennis Wilson, Charles Manson. It's so just fascinating. It is. It is. We haven't even gotten into it yet. I mean, we have. Well, can I read? Well, yeah. Go ahead. Go back to your notes. See what yeah. else you got. <sighs> okay, so. I thought that okay, so I wrote that. Um, Sarah, you can, we, we we don't have to record this or anything, but I wrote that it was so funny how Brad Pitt killed his wife. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> but like that is a true dude's rock moment. So the movie takes off in a dude's rock kind of fucking. I, I hate your fucking thought process. I hate it. I don't want to be known for the dude's rock podcast, right? I'm sorry, I didn't know what was going here. Okay, so. When Charlie was at the house looking for Dennis Wilson, that was really weird. Yeah. What did you think of that? Listen, no, I cannot have you reading through your notes <laughs> okay. on stuff we've already talked about. <laughs> I thought it was cool how Timothy Oliphant played a sheriff. Like, lean into it. I did it. think of you, Scott, with that, because I, I know you're a big Oliphant guy. Olf, I, Oliphant. I love Oliphant. I love that performance, even though it's just him and every other role he's ever done. I Sarah, still you and I know him from The Office. Him. He's the guy that Pam dated that comes in. He's like the hot salesman. I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry. My FX buddy hasn't watched Justified. No, of course she hasn't. Uh, but she has watched The Office multiple times. Uh, and yeah. I have. Oh, That's yeah. him. In case you missed it. He's very handsome also. <laughs> he is very handsome. Do you remember Leo was in the trailer flipping out because he fucked everything up? He had eight whiskey sours. I thought that was funny. It's one of my favorite. You couldn't just have three. You had to have fucking eight. Yeah. And then uh, he had the gun to his uh, co-star's head, and he said, they can only hang you once. That was fucking an amazing delivery. When he said you can only, you can, they can only hang you once. I thought it was very cool. Well, and he got emotional because of how good that performance was. Yeah. That was like his peak and it the was at the girl. same time when he thought and the little girl like ugh, the little she girl was, was nominated so good. for best supporting actress yeah, she really? should have been she was great yeah she was yeah. but like that was when he was really struggling with him being like a washed up actor and yeah that, for that to be his best performance and for multiple people to tell him that it was beautiful but and it teared, the, he teared up you can go mm-hmm. sarah oh i was just gonna say i love when the little girl is like and if i can be a little bit better i want to be better yeah it's awesome She's all business, but I love they're talking about the book and she just shows genuine interest in the novel he's reading about this washed Bronco up guy. Busters. The Bronco Buster. <laughs> it's so it's, it's just so funny. It, it's just perfect. And that's why we love fucking Quentin. That that's why we like him. He writes in a way that is very relatable. Yep. He yeah. really he knows how to write. He uh so when he fucked up the scene I said he had eight whiskey sours, which is it's a lot of whiskey sours. It is. Um <laughs> He had the gun to the girl. He said he could only hang once. That was awesome. Did you think that my, my big questions were, did you think that the Charlie Manson stuff worked? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's the narrative propulsion of the final third. Narrative propulsion. Is that a thing we're kind of dealing with now? It's, yeah. Okay. Scott, I, I, Scott's a wordsmith, in case you didn't know. He really is. I just, it worked on a very surface level, but I, I don't know if it was necessary for this movie to exist. It was, it's the whole thing, You're, you're lucky I can't slam your computer <laughs> shut. You can slam you know, it right now. You know, I on, think baby. you need it for the podcast, so I'm not going to do it. But you might have to stop talking. Okay. Pat, did you watch Inglorious Bastards? I've never seen it. We saw it in the theater together. Of course together. I've seen it. Okay, come on. So this is like, Tarantino's thing now that he does where he takes history and sort of like tweaks it okay and rewrites when it. it's it's one thing about six million Jews but with like this Sharon cannot Tate, go anywhere positive no I just felt like it was a really uncomfortable ending to a movie Scott did you like the ending it's a very Tarantino ending right he does it's not my favorite things. part of the movie but even rewatching it for the fourth time this week. I feel like Sarah is very restless right now. No. Okay. I, She's I just, having internet problems. She just texted me. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I like the movie and I like the ending, but it just felt really uncomfortable to me. But how do you feel about Kill Bill? Like it's I've never com- seen Kill Bill. You've never seen Kill Bill? Wait, com- Pat, does it get comfortable because it's like, like women, violence on women? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, violence on women. <laughs> no, that was uncomfortable. I loved the ending. <laughs> it's like revenge porn. It's like it, the best line of the movie comes in the ending when uh, Tex walks in with the gun, yeah. and, and Brad Pitt's high, and he's like, "Wait a minute, I know you. What's your name?" 
and Texas. Goes, I'm what the does devil he say? man. What does and, he say for Brad... the mi- mixed up name? Hold on. He says, I'm the devil man, and Brad Pitt pauses and he thinks, and he says, No, it was something a lot dumber than that. <laughs> Rex or yeah. something. Yeah. All right. My favorite part is when Leo gets to go ham on the. Um, the, the, the flamethrower. Yes, See, I. That's oh why my the God. ending is such my, a big payoff, like, Pat. I can't believe you didn't my like respo- it. I just don't think that these people that they were killing at the end, they were brainwashed. Yeah, they but they didn't know that. Like that. Yeah, but like they yeah, don't but deserve in real doubt. life. They stabbed yeah, Sharon Tate what seventy four times. Right. Yeah, but right. I'm, I, all I'm saying is that they did, is that they did not deserve to die like that. I mean. Leo is drunk in his pool listening to Paul Revere and the Raiders Can and this girl so comes I felt charging that was really in. relatable because like we've all been <laughs> fucking fucked up on an island. Just having people murdered inside yeah. your house. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, Pat, are you a Manson family apologist? <laughs> if the shoe fits, I think I am. No, I'm not. <laughs> that's, new t- that's the tagline for the episode. I just think it, I, I just thought it was fucked up that like these people were like obviously brainwashed, but they didn't know that. So if three well, people a, come charging into your condo right now <laughs> with knives and guns, are knives you going to take, take a minute and say like, "Wait a minute, what happened to these people? Are they this is under rich some coming sort of from rage. you? I, I feel like this. No, absolutely not. I would not give the benefit of the doubt. If you had a flamethrower next to you, if, if the per- or a I can would of dog never food. shoot a flamethrower at another person. All right, let's if say if you were in the fourteen fifths of McCluskey. <laughs> no, I would never shoot a flamethrower. Let's at say another you had person. a can of cat food next to you. You might say like, "All right, this is all I got. I'm going to throw it Muhammad? at this guy <laughs> who's pointing a gun at me." You're probably I was right. We're going with the cat food. Yeah, because he threw the dog food at the girl. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's that right. was, and, and she went nuts like it was really unrealistic he's yeah it's a classic it's a quentin, quentin tarantino quentin, seriously what well i don't know i don't Sarah get your angle Scott here the same page yeah you're off the page buddy i hate to tell you no it's okay I, it's fine i think they totally i wish they really died like that to be honest like <laughs> these people were just oh my god sharon tate was like eight months pregnant yeah yeah, yeah it's really you fucked know? up man so, and then so the whole thing happens where they all these people, the three hit, really the three goddamn up. hippies get like really brutally murdered. But then Rick Dalton gets so happy at the end because like he finally gets to talk to his neighbors and they they're like, Oh my god, you're Rick Dalton. Like I can't believe I get to I meet read you. So and much his about- expression on his face, he was so happy <laughs> in that moment, even though he just went through a very traumatic experience. He's like, these people know me and they like me and they respect me. And now they're going to have this beautiful relationship in Tarantino he just, world. He just wants a job. He just, well, he also wants to be respected too. He wants a job. No, I think Rick Dalton is like, I don't know. I think he's like super likable and genuine. I really do. It gives me goosebumps. That Screaming at like the mom. kids in the car with the margarita picture <laughs> is just so good. It's so good. I could hear oh. him talk about goddamn hippies all day. Goddamn, Robert. <laughs> I love with like the frozen margaritas and like the cigarette. No, <laughs> dude, I, I uh, Sarah. But when he's complaining about his taxes, I pay taxes up the butt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's a private yeah. road. Uh, there's also another very famous frozen margarita scene in Kill Bill. Sarah, yes, Pat's I wrote seen it. a completely drunk Rick Dalton makes frozen margaritas served in a mason jar, which is really kind of cute. Yeah. 
Just want to let you know. It's a good note. Trendy before his time. I also wrote Emily weighing in on the dog business with. They would all be dead without Brandy. Yeah. Brad true. Pitt, Leo, and the wife, who Francesca. They, Brandy mm-hmm. saved the night. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. All he had to do is talk about a symbiotic relationship between man and man's best friend, Scott. All Brad Pitt had to do was make that little noise that Sarah just made, and Brandy knew exactly what her job was. I think the movie's actually about Brandy. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. Finally. <laughs> so do you guys want to wrap it up, or? You can wrap it up. Let's wrap oh. it up. We gotta pick a perfect song here. I uh, feel like we didn't talk about Dennis Wilson and Charles Manson's mu- well, music we, enough. We but can. We did. A, we we did do okay. not need to do much on Charles Manson's music. <laughs> no, no, that was more of like a like I just kind of wanted to throw that a in little add on. Well, sure. it was wow. interesting. Like when I was reading about it and how I didn't know that they had such a good friendship and yeah, yeah. Well, De- Dennis Wilson, they really what they think happened to him is like he had a problem with substance abuse his whole the rest of his life. Yeah. And, People and then really he drowned that, when he was 39? Yeah, people think that, like, honestly, like, the whole, his, you know, tie-in with Charles Manson is probably the reason why he, like, you know, couldn't be sober. Mm-hmm. It just... Yeah, he tough, was, tough to escape that one. Yeah. So like, a really sensitive person, and, like, it really, like, fucked him up when he found out what happened. And, like, he he couldn't talk about Charles Manson, like, publicly. Like, he, he wouldn't. And I think that, yeah, those that association probably is, like, what killed him so young, to be honest. It's really sad. Well, we'll yeah, have to do another Dennis Wilson episode because we w- this podcast is a big Dennis Wilson booster podcast. I mean, we talked about my brother who we, we saw, uh, you know, the Beach Boys mm-hmm. back in the day. So, all right, we'll play a little bit of an outro song. Uh, Sarah, you killed it. She was awesome. Of I course. mean, Scott, come on. How was Sarah? <laughs> she was great. Thank you so much for joining. <laughs> Emily, how was Sarah? Sarah's always amazing. She's just a shining light in my life, and I love her, and well, I miss she's her. She's a, a shining light on the podcast. She is. <laughs> that is more important I, than Emily's life, we must say. <laughs> yeah. All right, we're going to play a little song, and then we'll talk to you guys later. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Goodbye. Goodbye.